Welcome to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. Today, I'm joined by performance trainer Dave Wood. Dave is an awesome guy. He works with top-level athletes to dial in their health and performance. So I'm, I'm really excited to have a chat with you today, Dave. Welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, mate. I'm sitting in my favorite place. <laughs> For those people who are just listening rather than watching on YouTube, Dave is sitting in his camper van, actually, because it's a, a little bit less echoey than his gym. Yeah, I'm in the Toyota High Ace camper van. Oh, and I am just going crazy. You still hear? Yeah, you still hear me okay, Dave? Can, but you're flicking green and... <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So, for the, sorry for the people who are watching this. If you have epilepsy, please just turn <laughs> away from the screen now. Here we go. We're back again. Dave, mate, I always like to start off with people just with a little bit of background. Where are you from, man? Where did you grow up? Yeah, I grew up at Pihar Beach, Auckland. People ask me, when people ask me where I'm from, I never say Auckland, I always say Pihar Beach. West coast of the North Island in New Zealand. Yeah, and I, I grew up out and got into surfing at a young age. And growing up out there was like the ultimate freedom. It was like being a free range kid. Mm. I'm very thankful for growing up at Pihar Beach. Yeah, awesome, man. Um, what, what do you remember from your childhood that has kind of kicked you down the road that you're on today? From my childhood, I just remember like growing up at Piha with a close group of mates and we were always pushing each other and always challenging each other. And that was always around the surf. So we would surf like two, three times a day and out, out there on the West coast, it can get pretty wild and the surf's pretty big and heavy. And so it's a great place to you challenge yourself and was like a real proving ground growing out. And that's where I sort of learned a lot in terms of the practical experience of being able to deal with stress and pressure. Mm. It's sort of like now, now what I'm doing with my job is working uh, with people around stress mitigation and getting them better understanding of the psychological and physiological process to stress and pressure and how to leverage stress to your advantage. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome stuff. And I think that's, I mean, that's stuff that we should be taught in school and we'll get into more of that side of things, but I'm interested in, in your relationship with challenge as well. I've just been listening to you on between two beers this morning and it was, some of the stories are, are pretty epic and it sounds like that you have, you've had almost a loving relationship with challenge over the course of your life is that you've, you've got so much out of it and I think for long-term listeners of the show, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about is, is embracing challenge and, and getting better at, at hanging out with it. But what was your relationship with challenge like early on? Like as you were, as you were heading out into the surf with Piha, surf at Piha, how did you think about challenge? Was it something that you just kind of rushed headlong into, or was it something that you, you had to kind of navigate your way through? I think. I was always like growing up, I, I always had like, even though I was exposed to the water at a really young age, you know, we were, we were like taking the boards out when we were like three and four and started surfing when we were like five. My old man was a surfer and heavily involved in the surf club out there, but I actually had like a lot of fear around the water and, and it used to frustrate me, especially once I got into my teens, that I had that fear there and I couldn't overcome that fear and I didn't understand it. and. So I guess it was like, I was, I was always trying to challenge myself, but I was always kind of restricted 
in terms of like my fear of the ocean, but like anything with repeat exposure and just continuing to go out in the water and you sort of get more comfortable and for too long, you know, like now I love surfing big waves and I love being out there by myself and that's like the ultimate for me. Yeah. Yeah. Epic man. That frustration is a really interesting piece of the puzzle. I think when people are dealing with challenge, especially like learning a new skill or putting themselves in uncomfortable situations, there's a lot of frustration that they need to go through before, as they progressively expose themselves to it. Interested in your take, like with, with that frustration, sometimes like we just get sick of it and we turn away and we're like, nah, this, I'm, I'm not keen on continuing to go through this. I think I know your answer for this, but why did you keep pushing through that frustration at that time? And do you have any tips to help people get through that frustrating phase? Yeah. The first thing is you got, you got to find something that you're really passionate about. Like I was really passionate about surfing. That was like, you know, like I lived at the beach and that was, it wasn't just about like, I know now it wasn't just about surfing. It was also about being in contact with nature and, you know, being out in the ocean and how, how good that made you feel. But when you're like, obviously when you're really passionate about something, um, you want to be good at it. Right. And so you keep that, that challenge is like, it's like a roadblock, but you either go through it or around it and you find ways and you just keep exposing yourself. I think for anyone finding like something that's they can do that constantly challenges them is so important. Nowadays, we can be a bit averse to like putting ourselves out there in, in stressful situations because a lot of people have a negative relationship with stress. And so why would you want to, why would you want to put yourself in more stress? But that's how we learn. That's how we, we build the skills of stress. And yeah, you got to be challenging, constantly challenging yourself and putting yourself out there. And then, you know, another part of that is like. The fear of failure. And I learned from a young age that like, that was all part of it. Like failing was all, all part of like succeeding in these challenges. Yeah. And I think like sport is a great, like it's a great learning ground for that, whether it's, whether it's surfing, whether it's a, a team sport that you're playing, like failure is a constant part of it. Like you get smoked by a wave or you drop the ball, but then you just get up and you keep going. And so you're exposed to those little micro failures along the way. Yeah. It's all that, all that stuff is just around the way, your perspective of failure and your language around it, because I never viewed it like as failure. I just, I just viewed it as like part of the process. Right. And I think that people that are good at dealing with failure, I think they have the same mindset. It's not about succeeding or failing. It's just like part of the journey of getting better and, and setbacks and using those setbacks to your advantage, that ability to like have a growth mindset and not a fixed mindset is so important. And having a growth mindset is all about, you know, using those past experiences of failure to enhance your, your performance. Mm. Yeah. And one of the, like, one of the things that I, I see with people around improving their health, like one of the big roadblocks with it is the narrative that they have running through their head about themselves and about their identity and the language that they use around that. And like the really interesting point you made about the, the language around failure. And I think if we get that stuck in our head and we get that kind of on loop rolling through there. It's really hard to make change. It's really hard to kind of improve our ability to deal with, with stress. Like how would you reframe someone's story around 
around failure or, or reframe the language that they use to make it a more positive experience? Yeah, I think like with anything that causes psychological stress, so like stress pertaining to your mind, such an important aspect of that because failure is come, comes in like emotions, right? And it's about like having the mental skills to be able to bring those emotions in, no matter how, like if you perceive them as being bad, good or bad, doesn't matter. You bring those emotions in or those thoughts and you change the language because the internal dialogue is, is so important in terms of intercepting psychological stress. And that's actually not that difficult to do. You know, like I have... I always say this, like I have, cause, cause we live now in a time where like everyone on social media is a mental health advocate and it's like, and what, what you hear a lot of is you've got to have positive thoughts. And I always say, no, you don't, you don't have to, cause actually it's not realistic. I have all sorts of negative, weird, messed up thoughts coming into my head. And what I've learned is that not to push those thoughts away, but to embrace them and change the language. And it's actually becomes. You know, once you start practicing this, it becomes like a superpower because you're able to bring in any emotion or any feeling or thought, change your language around it, shift your perspective, and that frees you up to respond rather than react to this stuff. And we get stuck in a pattern of reactivity, reacting to everything that's going on in here. And the true power is actually to be able to not react, but respond in a creative way. And that really means you have to change the language and shift your perspective because the more ways you, the more perspective you have, the more ways you have of viewing something, the more choices you have. Mate, well articulated. I like that. There's a whole lot of rabbit holes we could go down with that. I think the one that I want to, I want to take with it to start with is that, that emotional response that we have, like, cause that's, that's really powerful. And like, I think especially as Kiwi males. When, what year were you born, mate? 80. 1980? Sweet. I was 83. So we're kids who grew up in the, in the 80s and 90s here in New Zealand. We don't really talk about emotions. You could be, what, happy, angry, hungry, tired, or horny. And they were kind of the, they, they were kind of the big five that you could have. And so we didn't, we didn't have that language around, around emotions. And so like when we were experiencing them, that we often, they're often quite threatening for mm. us. And you're talking here about kind of embracing emotions, embracing kind of all the, the weird and wacky thoughts that you have in your body. But often the, when we have them, they'll kind of trigger our threat response. So they'll trigger our, our parasympathetic nervous system and we'll, we'll fight them or we'll, or we'll run away from them. We'll, we'll beat ourselves up or we'll kind of try and numb out with something, which is I think part of the like the mental health challenges that we have going on here in New Zealand at the moment, how do we get better or how do we start to embrace those thoughts and how do we kind of let them, let them come in rather than pushing them away or rather than running away from them? Yeah, it's just ha having an awareness that you have options. You don't have to do what you've always done. You can change and, um, you can strengthen your ability to be able to, to deal with like the mental side of your health. You know, we talk about physical health and then we talk about me mental health and mental health, like I think tends to have like a negative connotation. When we think of mental health, we think of like people that are crazy. Um, 
and it's just not the case. We've got to invest in both our physical and our mental health because if one is off, it'll affect the other. That's that whole mind-body connection. And I think I've lost track of your, your, what was your question again? Oh, that's a great question. How do we, how do we start to embrace those, those perhaps negative thoughts or those uncomfortable emotions man, that we're having? Just, man, just realize that they're normal. Like you look, you take something like self-doubt. Every high performing athlete has self-doubt and, and they achieve like the highest of the highs in their sport, like world champions, Olympic champions, and they have self-doubt. Everyone has self-doubt. It's not. You, and you're never going to get rid of that emotion. It's like, that's just normal human behavior. It's not, it's about how, like having the ability, again, having the ability to work with the agitation that these emotions might present physically or mentally and understanding. Once you understand that it's normal and then you start equipping yourself with the skills to be able to bring these emotions in and use them to your advantage, then the emotions don't really matter. It doesn't matter if, if you're having negative thoughts or you're having emotions that are overwhelming because you have the ability to be able to bring that in and use it to enhance your, your physical or mental performance. And it's not that hard. Again, it's like, it's not that difficult just with awareness alone, awareness that these things are normal and everybody has them and not to push them away. When you push things away, they, they don't go away, right? They're still there and they end up agitating us. Because yeah, they don't, that's still there. They don't go away and, and that ends up causing mental agitation. Yeah. And it just gets. If, yeah. I don't know if that answered your, your question, but. Yeah, it, it did, mate. It did. And I think like they, they just get bigger and bigger over time. The more that you push them away and they become more and more problematic for you until some, something happens. Yeah. I, like an example, you know, for, for people listening is like. I have, I have all the awareness around the stuff and I have the skills and, but I still, you know, I keep talking about this time where I got up and talked in front of 400 people and about five minutes before getting up, I just got stuck in my head and I, and these thoughts started coming in. I'm not ready. My presentation isn't right. And I really started going down this road of building up stress and pressure and, and you know, you can feel it physically, obviously your chest sort of tightens up a bit, your clammy hands, your mind starts racing all these physiological changes that start happening with uncontrolled stress and pressure. And I just have this, like, I have this five-step method that I use where I just take a step back, I embrace the stress, whatever it might be. I change the language. I shift my perspective. I take a couple of breathing cycles. I do a body scan, find any tension and let it go. And just with those things, just with those simple things, I'm able to bring myself back and start going down another road. So that's all around like leveraging stress and pressure to your advantage. And, you know, I know that if I go and do that again, those same thoughts and feelings will be there. It's just what you do with them. It's how you articulate them. But the most important thing is to embrace it and bring that stress in, change the language, shift your perspective and respond creatively. Mm. Yeah. And I think like having conversations like this as well, like you work with a lot of high level athletes and high people operating at like kind of the, the peak of their game as well and hearing you say that these guys all have self self-doubt as well is really really valuable because i think like when we're going through it we're thinking oh am i the only person that is experiencing this like everyone else is kind of doing all of this awesome stuff they mustn't have all of these like this internal turmoil that's going on in, in me at the moment and like i mean coming on this call today i was like oh 
what if I fuck up this conversation? What if Dave thinks I'm a dick? I, I, I kind of want to impress him. He's a, he seems like a cool dude. And you have that stuff and, and that, that pressure, pressure comes on and you, you start to kind of, your shoulders start to rise. You start to breathe a little bit faster and, and you're sort of thinking, oh, and it, it turns, it can turn into a little bit of a spiral if you don't have that, that tool set to step your way out of it. I'm interested, mate, like your five step process that you, you talked through before. If you hopefully, I'm sure that you did use it for your speaking engagement, but like, what did that look like for you at the time? Like, what did you do specifically to get yourself ready to jump on that stage? Yeah. So there's two things you need, you need to be able to do in terms of leveraging stress and pressure. One is what we call top down control of stress. And so that's pertaining to your mind, being able to intercept psychological stress. And the other is bottom up control of stress. So that's being able to take control of some of the physiological uh, responses to stress. So we have top down control and bottom up control. And with this five-step method, what we're really doing is we're intercepting stress here in your mind and in your body. So if we think about, if we go through this in real time, the first part of this five-step method is embracing stress and pressure. A lot of the time you only have two options. One is to embrace it and one is to not embrace it. And I think like nine times out of 10, embracing it is the better thing to do because again, it's not going to go away. It's still going to be there. Uh, and the second step is changing the language. And as we've talked about, changing the language intercepts stress in your mind. So it intercepts psychological stress. It's one of the most powerful ways of, of top-down control of stress is just through your internal dialogue. I'm not ready for this. Well, you change that. I'm ready. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to smash this. You tell yourself the right story. That has a ripple, ripple on effect into every cell in your, and then the second part of the third part is shift your perspective, right? You can look at something a hundred, a thousand different ways. And often we get stuck in this pattern of looking at things through one lens. Again, the more ways you have looking at something, the more choices you have. The fourth part of this is now tapping into some of these body systems, these intricate body systems we have that are designed to push back against stress and pressure. And one of the key ones is here, here is your breathing. So when the stress cycle starts, one of the first body systems that becomes upregulated is your breathing. Think of a time when you were, where you were, say, say for example, jump into an ice bath. What's the first thing that starts happening? Start breathing really fast, just gasping for air. Exactly. If someone frightens you, the first thing you start, you do is <laughs> So the breathing is one of the first body systems that becomes upregulated when there's, when the stress cycle is initiated. And that's because we need to get oxygen to the working muscle. And so in order to push back against stress, if you take conscious control of your breathing in that moment and slow your breathing rate down, so do the opposite of what would normally happen to your body when stress, when the stress response is elicited, which is to increase your breathing rate and depth. You do the exact opposite. You slow down your breathing. You relax into the exhale portion of the breathing cycle. So the out breath, that actually creates calm in your body and your nervous system. And it also tells your brain that everything's all right. It tells your brain that you're not, you don't need to be in an upregulated physiologically stressed state. And then the last part of that five-step method is to go through and do a body scan, find where you're holding tension in your body and let it go. 
is often when there's stress and pressure, we hold tension in our muscular system, especially in our jaw, chest, shoulders. That's part of that freeze response. This five-step method can be done once you get good at it in about 10 to 15 seconds. And, you know, step one merges with step two and merges with step three, and you get really good at it. And, you know, we often look for like convoluted solutions to simple problems. And some of these ways of better leveraging stress and pressure, things that you've been avoiding maybe your entire life, is just because maybe you don't have the skills to be able to use it to your advantage. So try it. What I, what I tell the listeners is just try that five-step method. Embrace the stress, change your language, shift your perspective, conscious control of your breathing, slow your breathing rate down, do a quick body scan, find where you're holding tension and let it go. That will free up mental headspace so that you're not cognitively overloaded in these moments. Think more clearly. Is that like, is it always a linear process, Dave? One through one through five, like you're kind of looking at it there. You start like you, you have that awareness and then you change that, that top down, that psychological response. And then it seems that you change the physiological response. Do some, do you find that some people need to switch it around? Is that they need that kind of physiological shift before they can kind of work on the psychological stuff? Yeah. The easiest way to control stress is like what we call bottom-up control. So that's tapping into these intricate body systems, like your breathing, your ability to regulate your nervous system and control stress that way, because the mind's a pretty crazy thing. And we don't, you know, we don't really understand our own minds. <laughs> don't think. Um, I think if, if like you really want to get good at this stuff, it's like spending time actually understanding this thing. And a great way of doing that is through a meditative process where you're actually, you actually are stopping, you're sitting or lying down and you're focusing on some form of meditation where I like to use like a breathing meditation where I follow a breathing cadence and it's not about getting really calm. A lot of people think this work, the meditative work is about getting really calm and relaxed. That's, that's like. One of the positive effects if you get good at meditation, but it's really about just listening and understanding your own mind and, and what's going on up there. And I think, you know, for me personally, like doing that work has taught me how agitated my mind is and how it's constantly, it's constantly ticking over and telling the story and also latching to things. And when I do, or, or the clients that I work with, we do this, this breathing meditation. The key is to allow the mind to wander. Don't try to maintain one point of focus because that agitates a lot of people. Allow the mind to wander and every now and then bring it back. And when you do that, when you allow the mind to wander and you bring it back, you're strengthening this front part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex, which is associated with sustained focus and creativity and problem so, solving and logic and yeah, exactly. And so we can, we can like, of course we can, the mind and we can train to be more cognitively focused and we can train not to be so reactive and it's not that difficult. Again, it's not that difficult. A big part of it is actually identifying your own patterns of behavior, what your own subconscious patterns are. So when you go into stress and pressure situations, what is, what is your hardwired pattern? And for some people, it might be avoidance. It might be anger. It might be getting overwhelmed. It can be a combination of things, but the, the, one of the keys here is you're just identifying your patterns of behavior. And that takes time. 
And sometimes that's fucking uncomfortable to, to look at it as well. And you're like, oh shit, I do respond that way. That's, that's, that's not ideal. And kind of speaking from experience with myself, like going through and starting to identify my patterns of behavior and like actually just trying to observe them, that kicks off a whole lot of emotional responses as well. You're like, oh, I don't, I don't like that pattern of behavior. That's kind of not who I want to be. And then you kick off this emotional response. And before I kind of started to get used to letting those emotions in, that was, uh, that was kind of one of the frustration points I'd have as like, I'd, I'd get so far and then I'd have this emotional response and I had this frustration come up and then I'd just go away from it and you yeah. keep going with those patterns of behavior. But like, like you said as well, it's a, it's a skill that you, that you build over time and it's a, it's a bicep curl for your brain to to go through this process and kind of slowly keep coming keep coming back to it yeah what one one sort of exercise that we have to help people identify their own limitating patterns of behavior and replacing them with with new more innovative patterns of behavior that are sort of aligned with their values is what we call mindset themes and the, your mindset is the rules and regulations you live by that dictate the way you respond to things. So your mindset is the rules and regulations you live by that dictate the way you respond to things. My mindset is I do not do thoughts as good or bad. So my personal mindset is I do not do thoughts as good or bad, but as situations to respond to. And it's my response to the thought that matters. So that's my mindset. So when I go into situations and, and these thoughts come in, well, with that mindset, it allows me to better control my response to these thoughts or situations. And so you can create your own mindset things. It's incredibly powerful because if you think of like a business, a business has all these structures and protocols to make sure the business runs smoothly, right? Do you have a system and protocol for the most important thing that you have, which is your mindset? And most people will say, no, they have no system or structure for that. Well, you can create one. Just with your mindset themes. My mindset is da, da 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 Look at some of your patterns of behavior and flip them on their head 360 degrees with your mindset themes. If you're someone that responds to stress and pressure with anger, my mindset is I do not lose control. I remain calm no matter what. Then you go into a situation that would, norm would normally elicit an anger response for you, but you have set system and protocol for the way that you respond to that with your mindset theme. It's so powerful, like that, just that one exercise can change your life significantly. And with all of this stuff, like if you, we, in, in the emergency services, we have the saying, like, take a step back. You never rush into a scene. You never run into it. Cause a lot of these things we go to, are, I work as an intensive care, I have worked as an intensive care paramedic in Auckland for the last 11 years. And we always have the saying, take a step back. And what it means is don't rush in. And, and you can use that, like in your life, right? Just like with these patterns of reactivity, just tell yourself, take a step back before you and just use your conscious mind. Don't, don't, don't fall into those subconscious patterns that are self-limiting. You, you know, take a step back, use your conscious mind. Awesome. And that's, I'm going to have to sit down sometime today and kind of work on my mindset themes. For your one, how long did it take you to arrive at that, at that point where you're like, this is, this is my mindset theme? Very quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. Because as soon as you sit down, if you sat down in the quiet room just for five minutes and thought about some of your patterns of reactivity, you'd come up with them like that. And then you just take that pattern you want to change and you create a mindset theme around it. It's so simple. It's so easy to do. Anyone can do it. 
you start maybe with one or two mindsets and you add a third or a fourth and now you've got this this incredible framework for the way that you are doing things. Mm. Oh, I see these patterns like, and you know, one of, one of the things that working with like athletes or just people that are trying to enhance their performance and health is actually trying to elicit these patterns of behavior in practical settings and seeing the way that they respond to stress and pressure. Things like the ice bath, you know, very will will elicit some of these um, physiological and psychological stress responses that are sort of hardwired in people. But any stress or or pressure practical setting, these hardwired reactive res- reactive patterns will come come to play. And so you can you can see them, and then you sort of just sit down and you debrief them, talk about it. So yeah, mate, that's that is epic. Yeah. Put some time in my diary after this one to uh, to get stuck into my ones. Dave, I mean, like we've gone down a huge rabbit hole with getting into this stuff and it's all been really great stuff. But like, how did you get from Piha to doing what you're doing today? A, a lot of like, I think like, because yeah, I guess people often ask what it is that I do and I find it difficult to explain, but I have like, I have a lot of interest around working with people to improve their mental game. Because if you look at these athletes, you know, they're, they're uh, at the, at the top level of all the, all of these sports they are all extremely physically gifted. They, you know, they're all trained hard, but all that training is training for training sake, unless you've got this thing wrong. And, you know, we talk about like, um, you know, people talk about numbers like 80% of performance is mental. And I always say it's like, it's 50, 50. It's no, sorry. I always say it's a hundred percent mental and a hundred percent physical. And you got to get both right. And if, if, if the, the mental side of performance is not on point, it will really affect the physical side of performance. How I got into this was like, I think growing up, I had like, I was competing in sport in that, but I'd always get overwhelmed and I didn't understand it. I, I know now that it was uncontrolled stress and the effects of adrenaline because I'd get real like shaky and I'd man, I'd just get cognitively overloaded. My palms would get sweaty. And I, I always like was very good at sport, but when it came time to competing, it would just overwhelm me. And then, you know, going through life and sort of, I, I was always like trying to challenge myself, whether it be with like traveling or, you know, surfing, I sort of got better at like leveraging stress and pressure. And I then worked as an intensive care paramedic paramedic for 11 years. And a lot of those overwhelming sort of like responses to stress and pressure came back in that job in the early years of doing that job where I'd go to these jobs and I'd get cognitively overloaded and I'd start feeling the stress come and I'd be like, fire out. That's what I experienced when I was young. And that's what really put me off my like sporting performance. And now it's putting me off my working performance, my ability to go into these jobs and make clinical decisions under pressure. And that's where I really started exploring, um, the stuff around regulating your own physical and mental stress and pressure and understanding it more. And that's where, like, I got, got interested in, you know, working in the space. And so I, I guess it's like just a combination of, you know, my own practical experiences, both, both in life and work and my theoretical knowledge of, of the human body. When you when you've been going through that, like for people who are who are listening and kind of nerding out on this stuff, were there any resources that you found really really helpful to dive into as you were doing that learning? 
Yeah. This, this, oh man, there are so many, like I went down so many rabbit holes of the stuff. And I think just, you know, even being on social media and following these people that are in the space of stress mitigation or performance training, you can learn so much. I learn heaps from listening to podcasts. There's so many, there's so much information out there. And that can also become the problem because a, a lot of that information, you got to sift through the bullshit, right? And find the stuff that is actually works and is actually backed by good science and research. And yeah. And there's also like a lot of really good online certifications you can do. Cause I, I, I like, I studied a degree in health science and a, a post-grad diploma and that sort of gave me that base knowledge of anatomy, physiology, pathophysiology, pharmacology. We covered all that stuff in the degree. And, but in terms of like stress mitigation, there was nothing, there was nothing in that degree that pertained to being able to regulate stress and pressure. And this was a degree to set me up to go out on the road to work as a paramedic where you're exposed to all sorts of stress and pressure. And I always wondered like, why was that not a big part of the degree to better understand your own physiological and psychological responses to stress and pressure? Because if you don't understand it, how can you like... You have to have three things. I always talk about this. There's three things you need to be able to leverage stress and pressure effectively and efficiently. And the first thing is understanding the underlying mechanisms. So what actually, what it actually looks like when your body is exposed to stress and pressure, how the body becomes upregulated. The second thing is the skills, right? You've got to have the skills and then you need practical application and you need all three. Um, we run a, a six weekly calm under pressure workshop, 20 people. And this is what we teach them over the entire weekend. We teach them the underlying theory and mechanisms of stress and pressure. We teach them the skills and then we put them in, in these practical settings. And that's how humans learn, right? You need all three of those things. I was never taught that. And I've always, even in, even in school, I mean, you look at now like these kids that are coming through school and, and what they're trying to, what they're going through as a result of trying to live up to this unrealistic expectation of what's painted on social media. We should be teaching the skills of stress. It should be a subject, right? The skills of stress. It's a subject like maths and English because of, you know, if we look in New Zealand, the rate of mental health, the rate of suicide, the rate of people that are struggling with lifestyle disease and chronic stress and anxiety and depression, this should be an absolute priority. I, I would love to go into, into schools and talk about this stuff. If there's any teachers listening, make sure to hit Dave up. Like, like interested also in your, your transition point from a intensive care paramedic to integrated training. Like when you, like when you made that shift, what did, what did that look like for you and how did it feel at the time? It just looked like converting my shed on my property into a, a space where I could see people one-on-one -on -one and, and started working with, you know, just the guy down the road who had back pain or I was very much interested when I first started in muscular imbalance. And then I found that these people that I was working with, and I started working with like a few young surfers and a few athletes. And I started like recognizing that like the foundations of health and performance were missing and they're adding load to imbalance. And, you know, when I'm talking about the, the foundations of health and 
performance, talk about things like nervous system regulation and improving your, your breathing capacity and your breathing mechanics and focusing on recovery and sleep. And often these things were like, um, we're missing and people were just here yeah, loading and balance. And that's where I really like found my niche in this health and wellness spaces around, you know, getting people to better understand the importance of like creating really solid foundations. And, you know, when we talk about like to better leverage stress and pressure, you'll never get good in that, good at that unless you've squared away the foundations of health, which we call like the four pillars or the five pillars of health, you know, exercising regularly, prioritizing your sleep, having good social connections, nutrition, and stress resilience. Yeah. And I think like what I, what I see with people and like, I mean, we're a, we're probably a chronic, chronically sick society or a chronically not well society, at least that people kind of look at this performance stuff and they see these, these small things that these people who are top of their game do and they're the, they're the one percenters. And so they, they're like, oh, this guy does that one percent. I'm going to go away and and try and do that and then they get frustrated when it doesn't really change anything but what they've what they've forgotten is that these high performers they're doing those one percenters on top of those on top of the foundations so these people are they're kind of trimming the hedge while they're still pouring roundup on the weeds if they're not focusing on the on the basics some of them are some of them are a lot of them aren't and a lot of them get to the top with not very good foundations and by just grinding away and pushing hard, but if you don't have those foundations, those solid foundations, you predispose yourself to injury, you predispose yourself to burnout, and then things start going wrong. And when things start going wrong and you're at the top, what's the, the mindset is, okay, we just need to add more load or we need to do more training rather than going back and fixing some of these, these, some of the foundations of, of health and performance. But. You know, like just for the listeners, if you're like struggling with stress and pressure or, or you're struggling with your physical or mental health, just try, try doing very basics. Try for, for one month, just try exercising every day, try eating healthy food, try, try interacting more. Cause a lot of people that have stress and anxiety, they stop socially interacting. They become quite sort of, I don't know, revert back into their own sort of their own space and their own bodies. Yeah. You know, try making sure that you drink lots of fluid throughout the day. And then once you've got those things squared away, adding things to that, like a meditative practice or taking on a new challenge, you know, it might be like getting in the cold water or doing something that you've been avoiding for a long period of time because you're worried about what people think or about failing and start putting yourself out there, start realizing that stress is not bad for you. Controlled stress is very good for you and challenging yourself and going towards fear and apprehension and tension is incredibly empowering. Dave, mate, you've been preempting a whole lot of my questions and making my job real easy with this stuff. If people are interested in finding out more about you and the work that you do, whether that's to come on one of your Come Under Pressure workshops or whether that's to, to get you in and have a chat with their, with their organization, where's the best place for them to do that? Through the website, wmw.co.nz. I'm pretty, I'm pretty easy to get hold of. Through the website, you can, you can get. You can email and send an email through or my Instagram is integrated training. Those are probably the two easiest ways. Yeah. The website and through, through my Instagram. Nice. Dave, before we, uh, before we sign off, mate, 
Do you have a challenge to leave us with this week? Challenge is to challenge yourself to like, it comes back to that thing, man, of like, if you're not challenging yourself, then there's no personal growth or development. Keep talking about like how important it is to find challenges and really push yourself and realize you're capable of way more than what you think. And we, we often say, oh, there's often this saying, like we, we care so much about what other people think. In this Calm Under Pressure workshop, constantly hear over and over again that people are worried about what other people think. The reason we worry about what other people think is because we care. We care about the outcome of the things that we are doing or not doing. And that, that is like a big, that's like a key thing around reframing. You know, the reason why you worry so much about what people think is because you care about the outcome. But yeah, the biggest challenge would be to find something that you've been avoiding and go towards it and, and do it and don't be scared about failure. Failure, like anyone who's ever succeeded or ever, you think of in your own personal life, anything that you've ever done that is worthwhile has mean that has meant that you have had to fail. And again, like it's not about succeeding or failing. It's about like sticking to your values and realizing, you know, that to succeed, you have to fail a bunch of times anyway. And even once you've succeeded, you're going to keep on failing as well. Yeah, man, I, I used to have like a real negative connotation with failing because like at school, I was in the lowest class and I, I really felt like that impacted my relationship with failure. And what I know now is like, it's all just part of the process. Like, why would you even be, why would you even be worried about failure? Because if you have a clear destination, Again, it doesn't matter if, if there's obstacles in the way, you either smash through them or you go around them. And part of that, like, it's not a linear process. You're going to, you're going to, like, if you set yourself out a really clear challenge, you're going to fail along the way. But that growth mindset is you use those failures to, you know, to then light the fire and be able to keep pushing forward. Yeah, 100%, mate. Dave Wood, thanks so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. Cheers, you're a legend, Chris. Thank you, mate.